Welcome right back to Damage Radio. We're here, here live on MockerRadio.com or Music Reminds Me. Y'all already know me. I'm RC. Alongside my guest, he's 6'2", 230, straight out of Burlington, New Jersey, former two-time MFPW Arena champion. He's the problem that you cannot fix. If you're not 6'2", or 230, you're not on the same level. He was a boxer, amateur wrestler. He played football. He did it all, man. The one and only... Westfield Kelly. Westfield Kelly, welcome to Damage Radio, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks. Hopefully I did I did justice on that promo for oh you. Oh, my God. That was the best intro I've ever had. <laughs> oh, I, appreciate that. I appreciate that, man. So, uh, first off, thank you so much for your time tonight. Um, For those that don't know, what inspired you to pursue a career in professional wrestling? Uh, I just loved it ever since I was a kid. Uh, my brother and I was watching TV with our mom one night, and she was just flickering through the channels. And we saw a guy come out in green smoke, and we were like, she just like passed through and kept flickering. It was like, no, go back, go back, go back. And um, it was Triple H. And ever since then, I've just been hooked. So what about that night with your brother? Um, got you hooked when you saw Triple H come out. Do you remember what match it was? Was it SmackDown uh, Raw? I believe it was him coming out. He was wrestling the Spirit Squad. I do remember that. The Spirit Squad was okay. involved. Big Show was in there, too. And... I don't really remember exactly what it was. I remember seeing him pick up a sledgehammer, and I was like, this is the best thing in the world. And ever since then, I've just, I just been hooked to it. So are we thinking um, when Triple H and Shawn Michaels teamed up again and going to Isaac Man's squad, like that era? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely around there. Yeah, for sure, for sure, because it was like 06, 07. Yeah. Okay, now, did your brother ever consider uh, pursuing uh, professional wrestling like, like you? Yeah, so like... Once, um, we just had that same dream. He started wrestling about like six months ago. Um, he's doing great so far. Um, yeah, we just wanted to do it. And just, I just got started early cause he went to college and I did. So. Okay. How does your mom feel about everything? She's big supporter, big supporter. Um, she's the one that actually paid for my, uh, down deposit up front. So she was, wow. she knew this is all I want to do for sure. Now, how does it feel to have a support system like your mom backing you up and putting that money out, knowing that you could say, try it and be like, oh, man, that bump was too hard. <laughs> nah, it's 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 great because I never feel uh, hindered to do anything. I just anything I put my mind to, I feel as though I can do it. And my mom is definitely a big part of that. She's like, if you want to do it, just do it. And uh, she knows I've been talking about this for a while. And it's good to have people that believe in you on the back end. Right. Right. Now, was there a certain match, promo, or pay-per-view that got you hooked on the sport of professional wrestling? And can you uh, explain? Uh, I, mm, I wouldn't say there was a certain match that got me hooked. I do remember, uh, I don't know what year it was, but it was when Sasha Banks versus Bailey at NXT TakeOver, and they were in, like, a, an Iron Man match. And, um, <laughs> That had to be like oh, like seventeen or sixteen or like eighteen around there. It wasn't too long ago. And is that uh, when Izzy Mania got involved? Yes, Izzy Mania was there. Yes, yeah, she does. Okay. She snatched uh, Sasha Banks snatched something off of yes. her. Yeah, yep. I did that. And I remember after that match, I cried because I was like, I need to do this. And I was like, this is all I want to do, and I've been holding off on it for so long. I think that moment for me, it was like, I need to get there. Because what I would do for a while is like, when I work out, I'll cut on NXT in the background. 
because like that's the performance center so like i always picture myself in a performance center working out so when i work out i always put it on in the background and then after i watched that i was like there's no more just working out and dreaming about this like i get there i need to wrestle and i from there it was just it became like a priority to wrestle because before it was just like a thought and it was like oh, i'm gonna get around to it. i'm gonna get around to it and then after that i was like all right i'm gonna do this definitely now how did uh being a boxer and amateur wrestler prepare you for this level of training in professional wrestling? Um, I wouldn't say it prepared me at all. If anything, it kind of hindered me because, like, if you played sports going into professional wrestling, it's just your mind is already assumed to one thing or two things or how the way those sports are ran. And it's not ran like that in professional wrestling. You're better off just being having a clear mind, not playing any sports, but being athletic. And that alone would make you a far better wrestler than any football player or boxer that came into it. I mean, which is good is that, like, people are not going to mess with me. I already get that respect. Like, I can hold myself. And it's just, like, I get that mutual respect. Because some people come in and they don't get that respect. And I do have that. But it's better just to just not play any sports and just do this. Because you compare it to other sports. And it's not like any other sport. So. So how did the discipline help you out with, you know, being a boxer, you got to be very disciplined. And all that. How did that help you with um your boxing career and just you know in general? Uh, I'd say discipline. Um, I don't have great discipline. I would say <laughs> if I want a chocolate bar, I'm definitely going to eat it. But um, as far as like wrestling, it taught me to keep my head down and just wait because um I've seen a lot of people get like chewed out and um people run in their mouth and I do that from time to time too. But like. I do it in spots where I know I'm not going to get in trouble. So that, that as far as just keeping my head down and waiting for my opportunity. Okay. So you decide you want to pursue this dream of professional wrestling. When searching for a school, did you have a top two? And was the factory at the time close on your list? Okay, no. So coming out of high school, I wanted to move down to Florida right after high school to, um, to go to 3D Academy, which – Jacobs is at right now. That's what I wanted to do because it was near the performance center. Um, I can I hated high school, so I was just like ready to get out of Jersey. And a bunch of friends was going to come along, and it just didn't play out that way. But three eight academy was like top on my list. And then after I graduated high school, things wasn't planning out, and I had to get a real job and this that and third. I didn't go to I didn't go to school. So the monster it was between Monster Factory and CCW. And um, Monster Factory won because Danny actually gave a damn. So, like, I called CCW and Dan. And Dan was like, hey, uh, he gave me a time, a date, a place to show up and meet him. And CCW, I had to, like, so how our conversation went. So I called him. And I was like, hey, I'm I'm expiring wrestler. I want to wrestle. And he was like, okay. And then there was a moment of silence. I was like, can I come by? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, all right. What day can I come by? Uh, any day. Okay. <laughs> what time you want me to come by? Uh, you can come around eight. I was like, all right. And he was like, okay, bye. And he just hung up on me. And then after that, I was like, okay, so I'm not going there. <laughs> yeah. So Moss Factory won. And of, of all people, he has his number on his car. If that's not promoting <laughs> your business and knowing you know what you're talking about, I don't know what does. Yeah, 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 he's definitely, uh, he definitely knows how to promote himself. <laughs> definitely. 
Now, was 3D on your list because you were a fan of Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley, or was it just because you know you wanted to go to Florida and you get you know kill two birds with one stone, nice weather? Yeah, um, I want. Of course, I'm a fan of them, but that's not the reason. Uh, just the simple fact that they know what they're talking about, um, and they had connections. And if I went down there and put my head down, because I'm not the type of person that asks for a handout, but I'm also the type of person to be in the right place. So I don't want to go to like some rinky dink school where people don't have connections because at that point I'm just wrestling to wrestle. I want to wrestle to get signed. So I want to be around people that have connections. So I was like, all right, what's the better school than go there? Because they're both former WWE. At the time, AEW wasn't a thing yet. So like, I know Bubba worked with uh, Impact and Devon worked with Impact and Ring of Honor. And I was like, they can get me in somewhere. And I was like, I'm near the Performance Center too. So it's like, if some of my stuff do get out, the performance center's right there. So it's like, you hear about what's in the area. So I'm like, I'm right where I need to be. That's exactly where I need to be. And it just didn't play out that way. But yeah, that was the best school in my mind. So first time meeting Danny Cage, meeting out with him that day, what was your reaction like? And uh, how'd it go? Uh, it, went, it went well. He's very short. Um, I thought because like I grew up playing football. So this is why I talked about like comparing things. So when I met him, I thought he was one of just those hard coaches that are just like really strict. And he's like straight to the point about everything because that's how a lot of football coaches are. Like they're very short with you. And, um, but that's not how they are. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like if you don't, if you never had a football coach and it's like, they're cool, but like when it comes to business, they're straightforward about things. So we were talking about business and I thought that's how he would be. I was like, oh, he's just like a football coach. And I told him that too. I was like, no, I need a hard coach. Like my football coaches were on me. He was like, yeah, man, that's how I am. And then I realized that that's not just how he was being. That's how he is in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, something I wasn't prepared for. So, yeah, it was it, it was short and sweet. Um, he watched this. Sh- he let us watch the show in the front row. And then he called me a couple of days later to see how I liked the show. And then I ended up signing up like it was right before my girlfriend and my brother went to school. So it was like a little bit in the summer. So they were about to go to school in August. Our brother was going into a second year and my girlfriend was going into her freshman year. So I was really waiting for them to go to school. I was going to finish out the summer with them, hang out with them, and then I was going to start. And then that's what I was telling him. I was like, hey, I'll start around uh, November, October, around there. And he was like, why not start now? And I explained it to him. It was like, see now, okay, so funny. Because like, I explained it to him why I didn't want to do it because of family reasons. And he was like, okay, all right, keep me noted, this, that, and the third. But, like, if I would tell him that now, I'm not coming to practice so I can hang out with my girl. Yep. He would completely ignore my text. Yeah. <laughs> completely ignore it. But now, <laughs> I get funny now. I like yeah. it. Yeah, um, when, when you first walked into the factory, let's just talk about the history, man. Seeing all the pictures on the wall, seeing the weight room. It's like, it's like heaven for a, a guy who's an athlete. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was like, I couldn't help but think, because, like, the way my mind thinks, I think in my mind, I'm like, this is where, like, Damian Priest wasn't signed yet, but I knew who he was. And then QT Marshall and Matt Riddle. And I was thinking about um, the headbangers, Bam Bam Buffalo, all them guys. And I was like, this is where they're trained at. Like, this is, like, this is... I'm standing where he could have stand to get like a bottle of water or like, this is where he ran or this is where he hit the ropes. That's how I was taking it. And I was like, I'm the next one. 
and this is how people gonna think about me when I get time and they come in here. So it was like a lot to take in. But now it's just a training facility. <laughs> like now I'm right. thinking about football. But now it's just a training facility. But like that's how I thought when I went in there. And it was just a lot to take in. So uh your first day ends. Talk about that first bump. How'd you feel afterwards? How did you feel the next day? Oh, um, my first bump was fine. Um it didn't hurt as much as I thought it would. So my first day I came in, <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing. So like my phone was like glitching when I was like walking in. So I had to turn it off and turn it back on. So as I'm walking out to the side door, I turn my phone off and I'm waiting for it to come back on. And I was like, when it comes on, I'm going to walk in there and start my career. So my phone turns on. <laughs> I'm thinking this is a movie and it's not. Yeah. So I walk in there and the ring's not even set up. Just like two people sitting there. And I'm like, where's Dan? And he was like, oh, Dan might come tonight. Dan might not. And I was like, okay. And then the whole time we're setting up the ring, the freaking veterans are like arguing with each other about how to get the ring set up. And they finally get the ring set up. And maybe, and then I go home and I was like, I hate it. I, I remember my first couple practices, I absolutely hated it. I just hated it. And my mom's like, just stick it through. And then I remember I started, they started teaching me lockups or whatever, like lockups, lockups, lockups. And I remember I got in the ring with Getty Cahoon. There was like a whole bunch of people in the ring. And um, I got in the ring and I was like, Getty, hey, can you show me how to lock up? Because I just wanted to be in the ring. I was right. like, sneak my way in the ring with a bunch of these people. And Getty looks me in my face and goes, yeah, I can show you how to lock up. I'm going to help you out in a second. Just go ahead and get out of the ring and just practice on the mat. I was like, ah, that's what I've been doing for the past, like, two weeks. So I ended up staying later for practice. And um, Andy was standing back for me and uh, Max Sterling. Actually, I took my front, my first bump in front of Max. Max stayed late and helped me. And um, I took my first bump in front of Max, and then Andy used to stay behind and help me train. That's how I always, like, caught up with speed with things. Talk about about that uh, veteran leadership in the Monster Factory. Uh, who were some guys that took you under their wing, and uh, was it hard to approach somebody when you had to, when you had to ask for a tip or a question? Oh, there. Um, I don't want to throw people under the bus, <laughs> but like I will say, do uh, you hear all these stories about like wrestlers taking you under their wing? That's uh, I've never experienced that. I mean, people will help you out here and there, but like there's never like, oh, I want to help. I feel like we get that now, and especially our number one guy, I would say, is Brian Morris right now because he stays out there and he helps these new guys one-on-one. -on -one. And that's how I am sometimes, too, like especially on, like, Sunday practices. During, I mean, Saturday morning practices, I never miss one, and that's when I help out the most. And I try to help out the new guys as much, but Brian's the one that really does it as much now. But, no, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to take you on your wing and I'm going to show you everything. No, like, no, nah, like – the Monster Factory was way different when I started than it is now. And um, them guys were straight to the point. Get in line, figure it out. If you mess up, get out the ring. You know, you better hope you're last in line. You better pay attention. You better get it right the first time. So, like I said, Andy used to stay after and do rows and bumps and things with me like that. And he'll really, like, coach me do things. I guess, yeah, I guess Andy took me under his wing. Yeah, now that I'm looking at it, yeah. Max would stay, like, here and there, but Max is just a natural leader as a person. So here, just like, if he knows you want to do something, here, help you through it. And then here, just carry on. It's not like he's going to take you under his wing. But Andy, I, I guess, yeah, I would say Andy, yeah. And nowadays, there's so much um, 
opportunities in professional wrestling with all these promotions coming back, like Ring of Honor's coming back now. You see Travis Jacobs on uh, AEW. You see Goldie on AEW. Uh, yeah. Steve Macklin at Impact. All these guys are hungry and making a name for themselves that you're training with. How how much does that help you and inspire you to keep going that extra one step higher? Uh, I wouldn't say it. It, it inspired me at first because, you know, you get that guy you train with every day finally gets the opportunity. But when you feel like you're just as good as these guys, you're like, what am I not doing? So at this point, it becomes like envy. Like I'm more envious than I am inspired because it's just like, what am I not doing or what not? Like, what can I do? Because, like, I feel like I'm just as good as those guys, other than Macklin. But, like, I still got a ways to go for that. But, like, as far as, like, TJ and Goldie, and I feel like I'm just as good as those guys, and personally. And I just want to know what I have to do to accomplish that. I haven't – the biggest show I've ever been on was uh, the past show we had uh, for the Monster Factory, the uh, Step Into the Arena. And even then, like – only got five minutes. So, like, I'm just trying to see what I can do to be that guy for a major company. That's all I want to do is be that. Now, let's go back to day one, man. Your first match. Talk us through the emotions that you're feeling. Did you have theme music? What was the outcome of it? Do you remember how many people were in the crowd? Talk us um, through all that. First match. Um. Okay, my first practice match was with Max. I do have that recorded. Um, that went all right. Now that I look back on it and I see how good I am now, and I'm sure it's going to be like this in a couple of years too. But like, I was like, Oh my God, it's terrible. Yeah. But, uh, my first actual match match, <laughs> this always happens to me. I was just telling my brother about this. Cause this is the same thing that happened at step into the arena. Not so far as I like, get my time cut, but so far as like things not working out. It's always like a jump and a skip to get to the next thing. It's never smooth for me. So, of course, my first match, I had theme music made and everything. And uh, I put on my, I was on a pre-show. They put me on a pre-show. And they put me against Jafar. And they told me all week I was going to be on a pre-show. And then we get to the show, and they cut my match. And then Jafar, um, I remember Missy. Missy was, like, giving me a job to do because we have jobs to do when we're not on the show. I was like, Missy, what about my matches? She was like, well, your match got cut. Like, just like that. Like, no remorse. Like, you got cut. And I was like, all right. And then Jafar fights for it. And then Dan comes up to me. He goes, you're on. Get changed. So I was like, all right, cool. So I put my chains on, and I put my shirt on. And I go up, and I'm in Gorilla. And Dan comes up to me. He was like, are you really going to wear your chains and your shirt to the ring? I'm like, isn't that what a wrestler is supposed to do? I'll never say that to him, but I was like, in my mind, I was like, that's what I'm supposed to do, right? He was like, uh, he was like, all right, man, do whatever you want. Like, just like that. That's what he does when he gets mad. He goes, do whatever you want. I was like, all right. So literally right before my song hit, maybe two seconds before he was like, go. He was like, your match went from five minutes to three minutes. I was like, all right. He was like, all right, go. And then my music hit. And I went out there. Uh, um, me and Jafar, we already talked about the match. We haven't even got through, like, the first two exchanges of the match. And I forgot who was refing it, but they come and they whisper in me and Jafar's ear, and they're like, your match got cut to like 45 seconds. And I was like, while we're wrestling, like this is not even like ding, ding, ding. The ref like kind of move, moves over to me. This is after we already done locked up. And um, Jafar was supposed to go over, but Jafar was like, you know what? F it. He was like, wrote me up. 
I was like, really? And I rolled him up and I got the win because I was supposed to lose. And um, he put me over strong. And uh, he got chewed out when we got to the back, though. Dan and Missy was not happy about that. But, um, yeah, I was just all together. I was just happy about it. Uh, I was just happy that, like, even though I went through all that, like, at least somebody out of that situation cared. And I feel like Dan didn't care. Missy didn't care. And I feel like Jafar cared. Because, like, he knew how much that So Definitely. Now, um, talk about the trainers there. Uh, you, had, you, had, uh, you had Missy. You had Danny. Uh, Mimi comes I'm, by every once in a while. Hey, yeah, how's Rick, it like to have everybody there? Ricky there? Uh, Ricky doesn't come anymore, but when he did, uh, he's he's straight. He's just medium volume. I've never heard him yell. So, like, it's always, like, one way. And he's very straightforward. I wish he was, like, I wish he was, like, a coach 24-7. I really do. Because um, he's just straightforward about things. He doesn't get upset when you mess up because he understands mess ups are going to happen. And he just gets straight to it, and I and I love that. And he always has things for us to do, and he always works things into a drill. Uh, Missy, it's more about Missy does more miscellaneous things. So Missy's like, uh, let's work on a wrist lock today, but we're just going to work on a wrist lock. Show me five ways to get into it, five ways to get out. Like, it's just miscellaneous. Like, I, I forgot, uh, one practice we talked about how to get out of things if an opponent takes liberties on you. Like, little things like that. Like, things like you don't really think about. about. Yeah. Um, Dan, if Dan's at practice, we're probably doing one drill that everyone's going to do or we're going to have open ring. Like, Dan doesn't really, like, I won't say he doesn't teach us, but he's just like, all right, like you guys should want it for yourselves. He's like that. So like, I'll say the the realest coach we had was um Ricky for sure, because Dan will come in. He already have like a drill lined up where if Dan's there, warm ups are going to be like an hour, hour and a half at least, and then he'll give us one drill to do, and we're getting a ring. We'll do it each way. Like you do the beating up, then you get beat up, and then that's it. And then he'll leave. That's just that's just how it goes. Right. All right. Let's talk a bit about a uh, promo practice. How easy does it come to you, or is it a little harder? And do you enjoy it? Yeah, I took theater in high school, and um, it was very hard because at the beginning I thought it was going to be easy, but you have to make sense of the promos, and I never thought of like what goes into a promo. And um, I try, especially when I start wrestling, I stop watching wrestling. Because if I watch somebody, if I watch Kurt Angle, I'm going to talk like Kurt Angle. I'm going to walk more wrestling. So I don't watch it anymore. I only watch the pay-per-views, and I watch my tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Because Roman's the best thing in the world. (laughs) But, um, yeah, uh, it took me a while. It took me a while. Um, I wasn't bad, but I wasn't good. And now, like, I can say that I'm good now because Kevin Kelly told me I was good. Oh, (laughs) hell yeah. Yeah, so I can say I'm good now, but it, it took me a while. Once I started getting my rhythm, like what I want to say and how not to bury somebody and how to lift somebody up, but still making my own thing. Yeah, it's it, it's a cakewalk now. I feel like I can cut a promo pretty much on anything. I had a pretty much have a shaky promo at Stepping Arena. Because like I said, it's always a hop and a skip. Like 10 things got like messed up right before we went out there. I was like, of course, I'm the first match of the Monster Factory night. Um, the Monster Factory side, but um, I was like, I don't know. Other than that situation, I still think I did pretty good, but like, I'm pretty much fine just being on the spot. 
So, like, with promo classes, like, give, give us an example, like, what goes down. Does, do you, does Danny, like, pick a, another, another person that you go against in a promo, and does he give a certain topic, or? Yeah, it all depends. Like, it all depends on what he's feeling that night. So, um, I've only been in three scenarios where it's different. So, either we do, like, promo battles, where it's, like, where he'll split the class up in half, and then, like, whoever's the captain of the team would pick for whoever, and um, you're first that guy. And then that's that goes pretty okay. I mean, pretty much if you go second, there's no reason why you should lose. Because if you go first, you're pretty much just going off the top of the head. Um, then you have, like, promos where, like, they want you to have promos in your pocket. So they do, like, uh, what is it? Uh, like, promos in front of everybody. You step on the stool and you cut a promo in front of everybody. And it can be on anything you want. This is when they mean, like, just have promos in your pocket. So... Right know when we're going to have those nights so i've seen people get up there and just totally flunk it and i'm like it gets you get second embarrassment in the room because i'm like bro you don't have anything to talk about like I'm going to the corner store in my car just reminiscing about wrestling john cena like right. you talk about anything so those for me are hard to like mess up and then you have the ones where like here i have you on a stool and here I go Okay, uh, this past pay-per-view just went through, and um, this is what happened to me. He goes, such and such pay-per-view just went through, and Randy Orton attacked Edge. So I want you to be Edge in this scenario as your own character and cut a promo on Randy. Hmm. And, and, and he would say it just like that, and then he will go, go. And then you're never in a situation like that. You just come up with something like right there, and you go, go. But no one does it faster than Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly, there's levels to this stuff. I've never, like, Kevin Kelly was out of practice, and he was like, I want you guys to cut promos. And I thought he was going to give us like 30 seconds to come up with something. Because usually that's what Dan does. And um, he goes, All right, I want you guys to cut promos. That's what we were going to do. Bobby Buffet, step up. And Bobby Buffet stepped up, and he was like, Put your right foot forward. All right, one, two, three, go. And I was like, yo. What? <laughs> I've never seen anything like that in my life. Like, you didn't even give this man two seconds to think of anything. Anything, yeah. And, like, I, I, it was literally that fast. Like, all of us was in shock. And I think this is how it is on a professional level. He said, Bobby, get up. All right, turn around. Put your right foot forward. One, two, three, go. And yeah. he went like that. Oh my god! And then like I went right after Bobby too, but I killed it. But of course, of course, yeah, but, yeah. Bobby, uh, he didn't do too hot that day, but like I took us all off. I honestly, I'm not gonna even put it on Bob. I think if I went first, I probably would. I wouldn't have done too hot either because that especially took me off guard. Yeah, Definitely. So. Now, see, I remember, I remember, um. Like a couple of years ago, I did a documentary when the interviewer becomes a wrestler for a day, and I did one at uh, Dan's camps. I uh, yeah. did a full eight-hour camp, and the one thing I remember the most that was the hardest for me was running the ropes. Because when you're running the ropes, it's kind of like you're gliding. You're not just yeah. running because you're going to just trip and go through that middle rope. One, two, boom. One, two, right. boom. I went right through that middle rope, man. <laughs> uh, almost, yeah. Almost, almost. I, I I tripped up my foot and like caught myself on that rope, but I made up for it on the promos. Like you said, you having experience in that. I got in the ring and I just pretended I was doing my interviewing, like you know, like uh, 
I've interviewed legends, up and comers, none of it. No, no one heard my story. Someone's gonna get completely damaged. And they even put Danny out there, you know, and because Danny would always every time I would interview Danny, he would say, uh, like Larry uh, Larry Sharp said, next time you see a king, make sure you bow. And he would always low, he would always low blow me, you know. And I would have to go, oh, I get hurt real bad. And Danny would do the same thing. You done? Okay, boom. And my interviews always hit me a bit up below the belt. So I was already running jokes. So I made sure to add that into the promo as well. And it's all about just taking your time, talking slowly, making sure you you hold that pose so the audience really feels it, it at that moment. Sure. And that's the hardest thing. You want to impress so much your first time out there, and you want to make sure you nail everything while you're thinking in your mind as what you're when you're saying it. It goes by so quickly. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. You just got to slow it down and. I don't know how I do. I just take pauses. I just take pauses. I say something big that means something, and then I just bang, 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 bang. Right. Now, do you have a favorite seminar that you've been a part of thus far? I'm going to be honest with you. Every seminar I've ever been to is boring. I hate seminars. I I hate them. But, you know, it's part of the good guy act. You got to go to them. But, okay, favorite one I've been to, because I've been to a few. Um... I would say my favorite was the Lince Dorado one because that's the only one where he, like, tried to make sure everyone got in the ring. And if one person messes up, we all have to restart over. So it's constantly boom, 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 boom. And then when he had matches at the end of his seminar, he um, he goes up to, like, certain people. He came up to me. He was like, who do you think of this match? All right, cool. I'm going to take some of these notes. Like, he takes notes with you. He doesn't think he's above anybody. I'm not saying that's not wrong with not asking, but, like, he just made us all feel like we knew what we were doing. And he makes sure we're all active. So. Nice. Now, let's talk about um, balance. Balancing out your relationships, you know, work, and also yeah. professional wrestling. Did you ever get down to that part where you know how to balance it all out yet or no? No, I don't. Um, <laughs> uh, just, I don't know, man. My life is like, my my life has went down since I started wrestling because I put so much time and money into wrestling that like it kind of takes away from my real life. Like I just finally got a good job, and I've I'm okay with like missing practice now. Especially, I want to give it all I got for like a step into the arena. I want to give everything I got since he told us we were going there. But now it's kind of more of like trying to get my real life together. Like I, I, um, my car's in the shop. My car's been in the shop since March. My agencies, I had a leak in my oil and I haven't been able to get my car back. Uh, I got fired from my job. I was working at Edge Fitness. I was one of the sales leads there. And I got fired because they said that wrestling's my number one priority and I only want people working there. That's the job is their number one priority. So I got fired because of wrestling. So you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there is no balance. Me and my girlfriend fight all the time because there's been times that I've went to practice, that I went to pop-up events, and I completely just, like, left her in the dirt. I was like, all right, I got to go. Uh, I know we have plans, but we'll do it next week. And then next week it's something else. And then it's just like, you know, there is no balance. So, like, for me, especially after this big show, it's like I know it's set days. I'm going to go to practice. I know it shows that I'm going to go to and shows that I'm not going to go to and try to get my real life together and 
kind of put wrestling in its own bubble instead of making it my everything because I've been doing it for almost three years now and I'm not signed. So like, it's not that I'm not good at it. I just need to shine in the moments where I'm supposed to shine. Right. And then let that take its course. And that's what I'm going to do. Let's talk about the business side of it. Um, the promo, again, eight by 10 promos, making sure you have shirts available. Was that hard for you to understand and get and learn how important that was in the beginning? I totally get it. It's just expensive. Um, once I found out that there's like minor companies that are paying a percentage to you and making your shirts for you, I stopped worrying about getting shirts in 8 by 10 Because like now I've learned that I don't have to get signed to WWE or AEW. Like I can get signed to some minor companies like MLW. They would make your shirts for you. They were making really? Yeah. <laughs> they do it. They some of these companies run their business like WWE, even though they don't have the finances like them. They just go to smaller venues. Mm-hmm. So that's one like I stopped worrying about that stuff because I know I'm eventually gonna get signed. So like I'll let that take its course there. As right now, I'm a student. I don't even like to say I'm an indie wrestler. I'm just a student wrestler. I trains at the Monster Factory and every now and again I get bookings outside of it. Now, talk about your first time that you signed an autograph. How'd it feel? Uh, I don't, I'm trying to remember when that was. I don't, I always thought I would remember it, but like, I've always signed autographs at the Monster Factory. And I'm waiting for like me to be in a store and somebody to be like, oh, you're Westfield Kelly. I'm really waiting yeah. for it. But um, it's, it's cool. I, 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 I told my brother, because I always signed a Kelly one. Because um, I remember watching uh, The Rock's documentary, and he talked about how the way he had to come up with a unique signature. Because Stone Cold would have a stamp, and it said uh, Austin 1, as in he's number one. So now every time I sign an autograph, I always put Kelly 1 as I'm number one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so that's how I signed it now. Yeah. Nice. Now, have you got an opportunity to see the QT Marshall uh, documentary yet? You know, four times. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. you seen it? Huh? Have you seen me in it? Yeah, I have seen you in it. Nice. How now, cool was that? I, I was trying to remember where I remember you from. Yeah, you are in it, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I was so I was I, I didn't know that, and I I bought the DVD and I'm watching it. I was like, Mongo, wait, what? And then I see me cut my promo and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, man! This is legendary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was yeah. pretty cool to see. So I was like, I I, I I totally marked out. I was like, I'm on a DVD. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's take a step back, man. Let's talk about the uh. Your, your boxing stuff, man. Uh, how'd you get started into that? So I was uh, in uh, a sophomore year in high school. And um, what class was it? It was like some cartoon ca- class. Like I was, we were doing, because I'm artistic. So like, as you can see. Yeah. So. Impressed. Um, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And um, the guy I was sitting across from me, he was boxing a lot. His name is Chase. Chase was a weirdo, <laughs> but Chase was funny, though. And um, he used to always, like, box and stuff like that in the classroom. I was like, oh, how you learned that? He was like, oh, my family's a big boxing family. So they had, they had like, training things at their house, and he would take me to sometimes to the ring um, at his facility, and he would just teach me how to box. So I've never actually had, like, a full boxing bout, but I've always sparred, trained, practiced. I know how to hold myself. I know how to defend myself. I know how to attack. So, for that most part, I do know how to box, yeah. Okay. Now, how about your amateur wrestling background? 
I've been wrestling before I even went to uh, high school. So I was I started wrestling in like seventh, sixth grade. And then I wrestled freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, and now senior year. Yeah. Freshman year, I had to stop wrestling because my grades were bad. Sophomore year, I got arrested. Mm. Yeah. But like, I had to stop wrestling then. And then I wrestled a little bit junior year. I, I think I finished the season in junior year. And then senior year, I, I didn't wrestle. Okay. Now let's talk about football, man. How'd you get into football? Well, you know, being in middle school, you want to impress the ladies. I of mean, course. Yeah, of course. I started playing football. I hated getting hit because they played me at receiver. And then uh, I played football for like four or five years. And then like my third year, they switched me over to safety. So now I finally get to hit people and it just became much easier. I say all the time, I joke all always to my wrestling friends and I tell them like, oh my God, every time something bad happens in wrestling, I go, man, I should have kept playing football. I love the NFL. Like, my ultimate dream is to travel with an NFL team. Like, wrestling's not my end-all, be-all. Like, right. I love the NFL. So, like, I would love to travel with an NFL team for at least two, three seasons. Like, I don't want to be in a league. I just want to be a part of it. Right. So, <laughs> so I tell them all the time I should have kept playing football. And sometimes I really do believe that. Because, like, I wasn't bad, but I wasn't the greatest. But I definitely could have gone D2. Maybe not D1, but I definitely could have played D2. But, so, NFL Films in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, man. Go check it out. Oh, man. See, that's when it becomes work, then it's not fun. Right. I'd rather just travel along and get free stuff. I, I, I agree. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. If it's free, it's for me, man. So I understand that. Yeah. yeah. So for you, talk about some of your favorite matches thus far in your career. Um, My favorite match was definitely against Getty at, uh, at uh, Turkey Slam. Uh, that was the first time in my career where I was treated like an actual professional wrestler that knew what he was doing. Any other time, they treat me like I don't know what I'm doing. But, like, Getty really vouched for me, and he really respected me, and he really respected what I bring to the table. And I'm, I'm sorry, my 4%. I'm at 4%, just letting you know. Um, but uh, I went in there, and he was just like, do your thing, man. And we talked about it, and we went out there, and we killed it. And I took a power bomb and thumbtacks and i was it was just it was just a lot and uh getty really believed in me and i know dan trusted getty so it it was great i had i had such a great time so nice let's talk about uh your finishing moves the wrong answer and the uppercut why are those moves to finish out your opponent <laughs> i love the uppercut because no one does it anymore um cesaro used to do it all the time but now he doesn't and I was just like, it's just really nice to see somebody fly. I just try to take somebody's head off. And then I did the wrong answer because I'm the problem. So, like, true. Yeah. I, and I can do to everybody. So I just throw your arm over, sky high, boom. It works. I can do it to big people, small people. So, last Thursday, man, dreams happened. All the, all of the uh, headbangers, Blue Meanie, Homicide, they were all there, man. You were there. Your moment to shine. Let's talk about that first before your match, man. Josh the Woods, Josh Goods the Goods Woods, man. How how did you feel like going into that match and the aftermath? Yeah, uh, Josh was cool. Josh was cool. We got off to a shaky start because we, I think, our bias was throwing each other off. Um, but after we talked for a little bit, like we were, we we were good. We were good, and um, we got the match together. Went out there, have a good time. Uh, I've never been in a ring with somebody that talks as much as he does. So we was having a full conversation as we was in the ring. And he didn't wow. even 
people. And I've never experienced that. So I'm definitely going to take that and use that to the next guy. But uh, after the match, uh, it was great to have somebody who was on a grand stage tells me, like, dude, I don't have anything for you. He was like, you did great. Nice, and man. He went for a walk. He went to go get a cheesesteak at Tony Luke's because he lives in Florida. So he was trying to hurry up and get there before they closed. And he came back, and I was like, hey, man, I know you had some time to think now because it's been about over an hour. Do you have anything for me now? He was like, no, you did good, brother. I was like, oh, man, I appreciate that. That's good. And how did it feel getting your revenge on Danny <laughs> for, for, for cutting your pre-show match? Yeah, right? Yeah, it felt good. <laughs> About time, yeah. Now, anything going to lead up to that now? Up to the next coming shows? They don't tell me anything, man. I just show up. <laughs> All right, so now do you have a dream opponent before you, you end your career? Dream opponent would probably be Triple H, of course. Okay. So if I say put your right foot forward, one, two, three, go. What do you, you got to say at Triple H right now, WrestleMania? You uh, have. Okay. Um, games are games. Just like that. You just play them. You know, everything's a game until you got a problem, right? You sit here with your big chest. You walk around with your X on your trunks, DX. You're a degenerate. And I'm 6'2", 230. So you know what that means? Uh. Triple, you know what that means, triple? It means you a sucker, a chunk, a punk, a who's you up to. And I can't be worried about you because I know the truth and the facts. Truth is, come WrestleMania 35, this is a spoiler. I'm going to walk in without the WWE Championship, and I'm going to walk out without it. And the fact is, there ain't nothing you can do about it. And that's a problem that you can't fix. Boom. <laughs> Westfield <laughs> Kelly. Yeah. Completely damaged making his debut here, man. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, any last words you'd like to say for the damaged fans out there listening? Uh, guys, if you have a dream, just go ahead and chase it. I mean, at, at the beginning, it's going to be rough. Um, you're never going to like anything new. But uh, just stick with it. and Eventually, something's going to come out of it. Either something big or... No, I will say this. Don't compare your accomplishment to somebody who's getting other accomplishments. Because some people, it takes time to get there. It's levels to it. And if people want to follow your career, where can they go? Uh, you can go to my Instagram. It's Westfield, uh, W-E-S-T-I-E-1-D. So the L's a one. And uh, my other Instagram is The Problem. Okay. Now, any goals for the rest of the year? Goals of uh, rest of the year? Uh, win the Monster Factory Heavyweight Championship or the tag. So, no, mis- so Mr. Eat, 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 his plate's going to be uh, empty pretty soon? He's going to have a problem pretty soon. <laughs> Westfield Kelly, thank you so much for your time, guys. And remember, damaged fans, don't keep it nice and neat. Keep it completely damaged on mockerradio.com where music and minds meet. Completely damaged! Completely damaged!